You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat podcast, the PowerCat questions podcast sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I am Tim Fitzgerald. We're joined by Zach Carlson. We. I am joined by Zach Carlson. I guess it could be we. I've got my dogs here with me. And uh, Ryan Gilbert also. I didn't mean to leave you out there before. I kind of mixed my... Look at that. Guys, the uh, the Zoom, the, the Seinfeld couch is covering up my face now. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. noticed that. It looks, like I'm, it looks like I'm eating a couch. I have a, a Seinfeld living room background for my Zoom and my microphone Ah, it's too complicated to explain. What's not complicated to explain is why you need to go to the fridge. It is wonderful. Wonderful. They had a Templeton Rye Caribbean casket blend, like the Caribbean rum cask. Oh, my God. I don't even like rye whiskey, and it looks so good. They have it at the fridge. They have everything you could ever imagine at the fridge, except for ponies. I went in and asked for a pony, and they didn't have one. I was kind of disappointed, but I bought beer instead. The fridge at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live, and make sure when you come to Manhattan on Saturday, you stop at the fridge and say hi to everyone, pick up some booze to take home because you're not allowed to tailgate. <sighs> I never liked tailgating. That's a deep, dark secret about Tim Fitzgerald. Hmm. I have, I've only tailgated a few times in my life because I'm usually covering the games, but so it's been always at uh, Royals games, but I don't know. I mean, you're standing around a parking lot drinking beer. It's just kind of a weird thing to me. You're just in, you're in a parking lot. Why don't we make this an everyday activity, Gills? You, me and Zach, we can meet out at uh, Walmart. We can park out, uh, you know, what Target. Oh, you, you want to drink in I'd a parking lot in a more classy way than a Walmart. Okay. We'll <laughs> There's meet less at, people there, too. We'll meet at Target, um, and we'll just we'll set up a tailgate tent, and we'll just tailgate. And the cops come up to us. What are you doing? We're tailgating, man. It's it's a Target. Well, yeah. We don't need a game to tailgate. These rules are weird. Record the podcast in a parking lot and have some booze before it and... We'll be ready to go. Yeah, I like I like it a lot. I got to turn off my Zoom background because this couch in my mouth is really bothering me. Virtual background is none. There we go. There's the Hawaii room. Uh, our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. When you're in town this weekend, post game, make sure you go to Aggieville, have a drink, have a meal, stop into Tanners and High Low, and say hello to everyone. Gills, are you going to go out Saturday after? Kansas State ravages KU like Quantrill passing through town. I would assume so. I don't know who Quantrill is, but there we go. Here we go. Uh, I know. Is it a movie? No, no, no. Uh, we had a giant print on the wall. Here's another little dark secret about the inner workings of GoPowerCat.com. In the uh, kitchen area or the lounge area of the old office, we had a weird print up on the wall. That was uh, the pre-Civil War 
Quantrell, Quantrell's Raiders uh, burning Lawrence to the ground. Hmm. Yeah, they were kind of the bad guys. Uh, they were the pro-slavery militia that burned down Lawrence, Kansas. Bushwhackers? Yeah, that's it. Could be that. Could be that. Uh, and that uh, just goes to prove even bad people get something right once in a while. No, I don't want to burn down Lawrence. I like him. It's a fine town. It's a nice suburb of Kansas City. Let's get going with your questions from Wild Bass Station. Here's Ryan Gilbert with those questions, and he's now going to attempt to read them. Go. Real quick here, uh, uh, reminder to every <laughs> every time, every time. Uh, real quick, head over to Wabash Station for the uh, the predictions thread for the KU game where you can get a shout-out on next week's, if Zach remembers or I remember. Yeah. You'll get a shout-out if you're the closest or you get it correct. So head over to Wabash Station. Give us your predictions. We want to hear from you. And I already posted the thread. It's already up. We're on top of it. This is going to be a I good week. forget it. It's going to be a good one. That sounds wonderful. That sounds fun. Go to a thread and post a score. I wonder if anyone will predict KU winning. Well, they, if KU does win, that one soul will be the winner. And they'll get a big old shout out for calling it. Yep. It will be uh, It will be interesting if someone picks uh, KU to win. But we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Maybe I'll make fun of them for being a damn traitor. I'm sorry, I got angry. <laughs> Gonna run out of unique scores. <clears throat> you can only pick 52 to 7 once. Aren't you supposed to pick 99 to nothing? Cats by yeah. 99? Uh, 90, but okay. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. I'm gonna I'm what? did you hear that? Yeah. What? My dude what? I hear what? Okay. That's all right, folks. Yeah, you didn't hear it, but it was on my computer. No, I didn't hear anything. It, see, we do this. This setup doesn't quite work because you're hearing me actually through the computer mic, right? Yeah. But the sound is routing through my computer, and it's picking up on the mic I'm using. So, And thus, it picks up everything on my computer, and somehow my Do Not Disturb got clicked off, which I didn't do. I'm a little upset about that. And then a mail alert just came in. Ah. Yeah. This is compelling crap right here. This is really driving the downloads. Let's get back <laughs> to the young and oh-so-sexy Ryan Gilbert. Thank you so much. Yeah. First question of the Powercat Questions podcast is from KSU number one. Puka is out. How many points do you give K-State as a result? I'm not going to score more points because they don't have Puka. I don't think this has any bearing on the game. Puka was averaging 3.8 yards a carry. Their offensive line is so bad, they can't block for a really good running back. No, oh, Velton Gardner's averaging 4.8. How about that stat? Puka wasn't even the leading carrier on the team or leading rusher in, in terms of total yards or average. Velton Gardner, um, who Zach spoke to in person. That really worked out well, Zach, didn't it? Yeah, what a trip. At least we were at least it wasn't a, a one way, you know, like that's the only person we went there for. Yeah, what but, game was it? TCU? Baylor? Uh I think it was Baylor yeah. last uh, two years ago. We were going down the Baylor game. We roll in. The first highlight I roll on, he throws a touchdown pass, and that was the only highlight of the night. 
that was the only touchdown they scored, and they got killed like 70-7. to seven. Like So was he was committed to K-State, and as soon as the guys talked to him at the end of the game, it was very clear he was not going to be committed to K-State much longer. And then he committed to Texas Tech, and then he picked Kansas. I don't know how he went downhill so fast, but he got to the <laughs> bottom pretty quickly. Now he's the star running back at KU. I don't think Puka being gone has a damn thing to do with this game. I really don't. I think uh, KU's in enough trouble on their own. They weren't using Puka right. The offensive line can't block. Uh, You know, I'm not saying he fibbed about going home to be with his mother. I think that is certainly part of it. Uh, But getting killed because the offensive line can't block was probably a big part of this. If he wants to play in the NFL, he has to be in one piece to do it. That line is dreadful, and I suspect K-State's defensive line will destroy it, whether Puka's on the field or not, and get the ball back to the offense, whether Puka's on the field or not, and K-State will then score. That's the way I feel. I think it's going to be a blowout. I feel like Puka's contribution overall would have been like three points or something. You know, a long run to field goal range in case they'd hold them, holds them, and that's what they get out of it. Like, I, I think it's going to be very negligible. negligible. Um, you know, I don't think that he was going to be, you know, put up 28 points and run for 200 yards. Like you said, Fitz, he was averaging less than four yards a game, isn't even the leading rusher. You know, it's just, you know, KU can go and find somebody on their bench to replace that. That's not really a lot to ask of a running back even in the big 12. So um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I said, three points or something like that. I never thought he was the best running back on the team. Uh, I think Herbert that ended up at Virginia tech, who's blowing it up at Virginia tech was the better running back and they didn't give him the ball enough. I don't know. Puka's good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think at the end of the day, he's going to be an NFL guy. He's not big enough. Um, and, I think uh, he's just not good enough. I mean, I think he's very good. If you give him the ball a lot and the line does a good job blocking, he can pick up yardage, but I think that's true of a lot of young running backs. Next question from Exhausted Nihilist. Name your pick for the in-state or KC area player who you feel most wants to taste a freshly smoked Jayhawk on Saturday. I didn't realize it until today that it was Jaron McPherson. He's a little bitter. Apparently a lifelong KU fan, grew up in Baser, and never got a sniff from KU either out of high school or junior college. He's not happy. I I think he won't admit it, but he's still a KU basketball fan. I don't think he'll ever admit it. But, uh, yeah, he's he seems motivated after listening to him at the press conference. Motivated. I don't know. Zach, you got anyone different? I mean – Harry Trotter, too. I mean, you know, I feel like they give us these same guys over and over. Same with Dalton Schoen. Didn't get Landry Weber this year. But, you know, you get these Kansas kids for KU Week for the Sunflower Showdown in media. And, you know, it's kind of the theme. Oh, we got picked over. Even Wyatt Hubert. Yeah, they didn't really say much. But I I almost feel like some of these, these these guys aren't young by any means. I mean, they're young. They aren't old. What I mean is they... KU hasn't been good recently in their lifetime. The last time KU was good, they're what, eight or nine? They're in elementary school the last time KU was in the Orange Bowl um, and won that game. That was the last time that KU had any sort of relevance. So, 
Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, when when Wyatt Hubert and John McPherson and Harry Trotter, they talk about, oh, you know, they never really gave us a look. And it's like, you're not, they haven't been the best team in Kansas in some time. And you're upset by them picking you over and you get to go to the better school. I just, I think it's just, I, part of me thinks that it's feigning, you know, disappointment and trying not to contribute to some bulletin board material because do you, do you really believe, even if you, if you're a KU fan and you like cheering for the Jayhawks, whether it's basketball, whatever sport, if you're from Lawrence, you really can't, you really can't imagine that they'd rather go to KU versus K-State and play football. I mean, it just, it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me when a young person is just set on going to a school because they've been a lifelong fan of that school. And it, but it doesn't really fit their best interests. You know, either they're not going to win enough, they're not going to play enough, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, making that choice has negative ramifications for your future. Maybe it works out. But I think, uh, as I said on the daily delivery, Puka made it pretty clear. He admitted he screwed up by going to KU. I mean, he's in the middle of his junior season, and he packs up and leaves. If they're 4-0 and he's picking up 100 yards a game, he ain't leaving, man. He ain't. But he's not winning, and they're not playing well, and the coaches made it clear they don't plan on being good this season or maybe next season. When you tell everyone in the world that we're only going to recruit freshmen and we're going to build from the ground up, the guys that are at the top, the juniors and seniors, are like, well, I guess you're trying to throw away my college career. I might as well leave. And You know, I just think that's how it's worked out. And I, I, I continue to see it. People want to – look, if you want to be on the ground level and get the thing turned around, I admire that. I admire that. But you better really have faith. I mean, true faith that they're going to get it done because a lot of college athletes have made that choice in football and then ended up at a Kansas or a Rutgers or K-State back in the day and done nothing but getting your teeth kicked in. So it's cool for the guys that were part of the foundation at K-State, but boy, they had to earn that. They worked their ass off to be part of the foundation and help turn around the program. So, yeah, I'm with you, Zach. I think they're feigning being upset just to say something, to say the right thing. From GT Cat, what's the, what's the point differential and time left in the game for Nick Ost to see playing time against Kansas? Man, that's harder to answer than you'd think because don't you want Will Howard to get snaps and yet you want to protect him and yet you want Nick Ost and – Jaron Lewis to get snaps. I mean, I would guess midway through the third if K-State's up comfortably. Um, And, you know, particularly if he's taking a hit or something. Uh, But that'd be ideal. Midway through the third, maybe a couple possessions into the third quarter. If you're up by three, four touchdowns, you turn it over to Nick Austin, Jaron Lewis, and let them play it out. And Yeah, that'd be my idea. I say... 35 points at halftime. I don't think that's, I don't think it's unreasonable to, to say, but I mean, if it's a 35 point game at halftime, I think Will Howard, you know, he can come out and sweats for the second half. And then I'd probably split, you know, third quarters, Nick fourth quarters, Jaron, you know, you gotta, 
this is really the only game that you can figure out what you have after Will. As much as you'd love to see Will get experience, and this would be a perfect game for him to play all four quarters, he's the guy. you got to protect him. You can't, can't let him get injured against KU when it's in the bag. You know, you kind of got to hedge your bets a little bit and say, all right, you know, you got some experience here. You know, you weren't going to be challenged that much. It'd be nice to get you some more snaps, but we need to make sure if you can't go, we have some good guys, you know, some guys that have some actual on-field experience below you. So we, we're not, you know, totally in the dark if, if you have to, if you can't play. So, um, you know, if it's 35 points halftime, I think that's pretty a safe window, but then, you know, 28 points early third, I think is probably the, the threshold for me. You know, if there's 10 minutes left in the third in case it's had one series and it's 28 points, I think that, that's probably it for me. Gills, if you were Will Howard um, and it's 35, nothing at halftime and coach says, Hey, we're going to go with Nick and during the rest of the way here, just go ahead and rest. Would you uh, switch into sweats and come out for the second half with maybe like an iced tea and a cigar and just stand on the sideline. Not like the cigar. I mean, I don't want to be inappropriate here. Just kind of, you know, be one of those guys that has a cigar between your fingers and kind of puts it in your mouth once in a while and it's got to choose on it and then take a big sip of uh, iced tea, which uh, will look remarkably like uh, a whiskey on the rocks. And um, just, you know, tell everyone the stories from the first half. Well, back in the day when I played against Kansas in the first half, that would be me. That's how I would roll. How about you? Somebody's got to take a slow a slow motion video like Joe Burrow, like LSU, make it really look cool enough. Yeah. The the Baylor game a couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure that it was in Lawrence and they were up. I don't know what they were up, but the starters literally came out in their jerseys and sweats with no pads. For the second That's half, bad. they literally, they literally packed their stuff up and gave the equipment guys, you know, an early, an early wash there. Amazing. I mean, that goes back to the, the battle days of K-State football because Oklahoma would be up by, I don't even know how much in the second half. And Brian's Brian Bosworth was laying on the sidelines using his shoulder pads as a pillow. Just lounging, we'll, we'll signing autographs for K-State fans along the rail. We'll get there. Next question from Email Wildcat 82. Do we have to be careful to not get too high on ourselves on Saturday in order to properly properly be prepared for West Virginia? We don't want to have a repeat of Oklahoma eating the Missouri State cupcake. Mm, I don't think that's going to happen with this group. I think they they know they're not. I mean, they're not Oklahoma. You know, they, they they don't have a bunch of guys that it's always been easy for, and then you get an easy win, and you're like, oh, it's going to be easy here too. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is a pretty locked-in group, but um, they kind of learn maybe from last year. I, I think they're going to be motivated for West Virginia based on last year. Whether they play well or not on Saturday, um, I think they'll be locked in on West Virginia because of what happened in Manhattan last year and how bad that loss stung and kind of deflated a really good season. As much of a joke as the Governor's Cup trophy is, and it's probably the worst trophy of any rivalry game in college football, it is in the locker room. They've carried that tradition on of putting it in the locker room for for KU week, which, you know, any other team in the Big 12, you look at KU and you're like, yeah, this is going to be a cakewalk easy. At least for for K-State, 
there is a physical item on the line that, you know, whether, whether K-State thinks that KU is a legitimate opponent or not, I mean, you know, they're going to be pretty easy. I would hope that they do not, you know, overlook them. But at the same time, it's not going to be a difficult game. But, you know, I, I feel like they, they stay focused enough just having that, you know, the trophies in the locker room. They don't forget, you know, this is a rivalry game. This is Kansas. I don't think that there's going to be too many, you know, too much of an opportunity to get high on yourself just because you expect to win this game. You always win this game. And, you know, if we lose this game, you know, we look like clowns. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like there isn't going to be, you know, that, that getting too high on yourself attitude, I guess. Plus, like you said, Fitz, you know, they lost to West Virginia last year. You know, they haven't beat West Virginia since 16, I think. So it's been a while since these guys have, you know, most of the team hasn't faced, uh, faced West Virginia and won. So I think they're going to want to get a, a win against West Virginia, I think, just as much as they want KU. I don't, I don't think that the, this game has any sort of impact on what the West Virginia game is going to be. I hope I'm right, but you would hope that this team had their wake-up call against Arkansas State, and it really does appear that, that that's been the case. You go back to last year as well with you know even the Mississippi State win, I think they got too high on themselves after that one, and they go crap the bed in Stillwater. So, you know, you bring up a good point with West Virginia last year. This team's going to be ready. They're going to be hungry. Um, you, you, I think there's going to be a game or two somewhere this season they're kind of not ready for, but I think these next two games they'll be – more than ready for the challenge, even the, even this KU game, even though it doesn't really mean anything. Um, well, I mean, it does, but with KU being so bad, but I think they'll be prepared for these next two games. They've got something cooking. I agree. I, I think they're going to take care of business the next couple of weeks, and then that Oklahoma State game comes around, and it gets to be pretty huge. From Wildcat Pilot 88, compare and contrast KU now versus K-State in the Stan Parrish years. Does KU have uh, this – Pardon me, does KU have far to go to match how bad K-State was? What would have to happen for KU to become the worst football program in NCAA history? Well, I, you know, I made this point on an earlier daily delivery. Uh, it wasn't just the losing at K-State. There was no commitment for football. There was no resources. The facilities were bad. The playing surface was trash. The locker rooms were bad. I mean, my buddy Al Jones you know, mentioned it on a Life of Fitz podcast. He had walked onto the team and, um, you know, just kind of showed up at the football facility and said, I'm Al and I play tight end and defensive end. I kind of would like to walk on. And he just happened to run into the tight ends coach. who He was a tight end then. Uh, but, you know, back in the day, the locker room was so small that the walk-ons had to dress for practice in the visiting locker room. They weren't even really allowed to be around the, the scholarship players, which is just a mystifying tactic by a head coach but he said the socks provided to him for the from the program had holes in them they didn't have money to buy socks i you know that's how bad it was the program was underfunded under talented under everything everything ku doesn't have that guys they got big 12 money they have donors that have given money for improvements at the stadium and they have donors that would sign up uh, and help rebuild things that are even so much better now than what K-State had then. 
what they'd have to do is continue to neglect football, to just accept it, which they have kind of grown into that. You've noticed it with the fan base, Zach. They kind of just ignore it now and almost make fun of their own football program. It sounds familiar. It's exactly what K-State and KU did back in those days, even though K-State was historically much worse than the KU football program, which had some history with guys like John Riggins and Gale Sayers and so on, John Hadel. Um, so it, they've got a ways to go. They're going to have to neglect the football program for a while longer and let facilities fall so far behind that it is glaringly obvious. But... They will still have 85 scholarships, just like Oklahoma and Nebraska and any other good program around them, K-State. You know, back in the 70s, it was 105, and then it became 95. And we're talking about then an ability of those programs to hoard 10 or 20 more good players and keep them away from the KUs and K-States of the world. So KU will always be able to go find players better than K-State could back in the day. And they certainly have the money to be better because – They're in the Big 12, and the Big 12 shares so much revenue now that there's no reason they should be starved for facilities. So I'll take the other side here. If we want to compare Stan Parrish to to right now, you know, I I feel like we use Stan Parrish as a a description of an era that really goes farther beyond Stan Parrish. Stan Parrish was there for three years. You know what I know what his record was against KU? One, one, and one. Exactly 500, which, I don't know, 33, uh, 333, whatever you want to call it, with the tie. But at least Stan Parrish was competitive with your in-state rival. Even go back, Jim Dickey, four and three. He left before he could coach uh, his eighth game against KU, which Lee Moon lost. But four and three was Jim Dickey. K-State for as bad as they were in the 80s and for however long they've been bad, at the very least, they were able to compete with KU. KU couldn't sniff K-State's jock in the last 12 years. They've gone since 2008 without winning a road game in the conference. It is incredible how bad KU has been since the Orange Bowl. They have been nothing there have been seasons where KU has gone winless for the entire schedule, not just non-con or not just conference, including the non-con. They haven't won a single game. At least Stan Parrish only did that once where he went over, you know, he, at least he got a tie and a couple wins in a couple different seasons. You know, the, KU has been so bad under so many different coaches that it's getting to a point where you have to start considering saying, yes, KU right now in the age of, you can talk about socks, equipment, all you want, at least in the eighties, Nike, Adidas, all those, those companies, they were still growing. They weren't what they are today. There's no excuse in today's world to have inferior equipment between programs. You know, everything is equal from a technology standpoint. You know, there's no barrier right now other than maybe a locker room looking you know like it was designed in 2020 versus 1995 you know and you know it has enough people you know enough space in it you know and maybe you got a barber shop next door you know there's no reason that you can't compete today because there's so much money and i think that just the fact that there is money you know everything's equal 
and you can't put an equal product to somebody else in the conference, that's what makes this worse in my eyes than what it was for K-State in the 80s. At least you can look at K-State and say, well, they didn't try, they didn't have the money, they didn't care. Well, there's no excuse today. You have all this money and you're in last place and you can't put together a football team in 12 years. That's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. And that's what makes KU worse right now. It's not going to get better next year or the year after that or after less miles or whenever. It's going to take a considerable amount of investment. It's not even money. Finding the talent to put together a football team they need a Bill Snyder at this point. I hear that. It's me. It's something with the speakers in here. Sorry about that. That's right. Continue. <clears throat> it's not even about, you know, the, the investment of money. It's about finding the talent. They need, they need a Bill Snyder. They need their own Bill Snyder, someone to reinvent themselves and get them winning again. And they've tried so many times, you know, Turner Gill, Charlie Weiss, whoever, all of these guys have failed. David Beatty, uh, you know, Les Miles today. I, I don't think Les Miles has it in the tank to get this team turned around. And if they're going to try doing what you've talked about, Fitz, building from the ground, just getting freshmen, that's going to take years. They need talent now. They need to hit the transfer market. They need to hit the JUCO market. There is nothing that KU is doing right now that will allow them to be remotely successful in any time in, in the near future. KU is bad right now, and because of how bad they are right now, that says how bad they're going to be in the next couple of years. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. KU is bad, and if you want to compare it to what K-State has, at least you can say K-State in the 80s said, yeah, we didn't really try. We didn't have the money, didn't have the equipment. You know, We weren't able to get it done. Now... There's too much money that goes equally around the conference and around college football as a whole that you can't find legitimate scholarship D1 athletes for an FBS roster. Unexcusable. Wow. That was good, Zach. (laughs) That was quality stuff. Gills, you got got any thoughts on this? I know you don't have kind of the – the background or the emotional scars that an old fart like me has from K-State football. But what are your thoughts? Uh, one quick thing there, Zach, actually two, but you say KU had never even been competitive with K-State in the last 10 years. That's a team that should have beat us in Manhattan uh, two seasons ago, if, if I'm not mistaken. So there's point number one. Point number two, I agree that it's not the program's not going anywhere, but I give them a lot of credit with the hiring of Les Miles. You know, he's there to try to get the ball rolling. Because like you said, Turner Gill, you know, Charlie Weiss, those guys, they're not going to get it done at all. So I, I give them credit. I know Les Miles really hadn't worked out the way they wanted. But, I mean, at, at this point, that was kind of their only option was to bring in someone who has had success. Um, obviously, it's not working out. And that wasn't the the goal. Was He wasn't supposed to be here, be, be in Lawrence for more than five years or so. Just get the ball rolling, get some confidence, some momentum in the program. Um so that's kind of how I view that. I really, I mean, I've hated Kansas my whole life. I, I really have. I said this on your thread the other day, Fitz, but since covering, you know, KU with my podcast in the big 12, I've learned that they're not much different than Manhattan. You know, it's, there's passion for each side. I get it. I get this and that, but um, I'm actually, I always stick up for Kansas a lot and my roommates hate me for it. 
Um, my friends hate me for it, but I, I, I try to be as neutral as I can be. Um, so I don't, I don't know about Stan Parrish. I don't really know much about him at all. I don't know. How, I know KU leads the all-time series, which a K-State fan will, will go crazy on you for saying that. But, hey, KU leads the all-time series. You cannot argue yeah. those numbers. So, you know what? I, in the past, I don't know what, much about it. But since the Orange Bowl, you know, I agree KU's been trash. But they still made the Orange Bowl. Give them credit for doing that. But, 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 that's like ahead. giving K-State credit for winning the Fiesta Bowl in 97. I'll I mean, think, credit, I mean yeah. so you, you don't want to take credit for that. <laughs> I'm saying it's irrelevant at this point. You, you know, since then, I mean, it's a marker of, you know, you, you hit the peak or whatever, and that's your success. You know, you can't live in the past for forever. And would, when your past is, is 12 years of suck, you, you gotta, you gotta win. You can't just harp. Oh, we won the orange. How, how many times, has a K state fan talk to a KU fan and, and the KU fan always brings up the orange bowl. You know, th- those oranges are expired. Those are old. They're rotten. It's been 12 <laughs> years. Get us some new fruit. It's all we want. You know, uh, what's odd about it is I think their orange bowl is more irrelevant than Kansas state's 97 Fiesta bowl because Kansas state built off of that. Yeah. That was clearly their peak. Yeah. And then they crashed. So, but I do think, uh, in all honesty here, that 12 years of suck is a perfect name for the 30 for 30. I think that's <laughs> well, it's going to be longer than that. But you go, you go to the overall series, Gills, <laughs> go to the overall series. It's not like KU's gained anything. You know, I think somebody posted on the board, what is it, 17? 17 years? Mm-hmm. That's, that's not that far away at the current pace. KU hasn't done anything to change the current pace. If, you know, if K-State say, was leading the all-time series, though, we would never hear the end of that, ever. And how good we are for that and how good our tradition is in football. But since KU's leading it, then all everyone can, can, can say here is that, oh, it, oh, the past doesn't matter. You know, look at how good we've been recently. It wouldn't be the same if K-State was leading the all-time series. No, I mean, KCO fans would talk about it. They wouldn't have that as a talking point, but it, I did like the fact, I can't remember who it was, it was K-Net or someone pointed out that they built this 17-game lead from the before the 1920s were over. Right? You know, I mean, that's how far back it goes. We mm-hmm. haven't, we hadn't even had a second world war. We we were just wrapping up the first world war when they, they built this 17-game lead. So, um, yeah, Zach, the programs were equally miserable through much of the eighties and nineties and until Glenn Mason kind of took over at KU and kind of got him going a little bit, but yeah, they were really dreadful. That tie during the Stan Parrish era, you brought it up was the low point of K state football for many people because the game ended with a blocked field goal and two awful football teams rolling around on the field, trying to find a loose ball (laughs) to end the game or pick it up and be the hero, whatever. But that just feeble ending to an, a game like that, ending in a tie, was so perfect for both programs. It was awful. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad K-State's winning. I'd much rather be K-State now than to be KU with a 17-game lead in this series. Let's put it that way. Yeah. We appreciate you listening to the PowerCat podcast. Now we're going to have a couple ads about things that you care about, or maybe not, and we'll be back on the other side. And by the way, are you subscribing to GoPowerCat.com? 
You should be. There's always some kind of special going on. A dollar for your first month. That sounds pretty good. Sign up. Give us a test drive for a whole month. See what you think of GoPowerCat.com. I think you'll like it. We'll be back. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. When you're in town this weekend to watch the Wildcats dispatch of the Jayhawks. That's my old football-y term right there. Stop in to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, the corner of Claflin and Westport. I always want to say the West Loop, Zach. I'll never get it right. Hmm. We're it's close by, but know. very misleading. And there's another liquor store there. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. Uh, we're, uh, segments are sponsored by uh, Tanner's and the High Low. I got to tell you guys, yesterday on Monday, I was really struggling. I was really fighting the urge. I wanted to be at Tanner's, my favorite sports bar, to watch the Chiefs play the Bills at 4 p.m. on a Monday. I think they need more 4 p.m. Monday games. That was fun. You know, remember where I talked about earlier, early on in the pandemic during the quarantine, or I'm like, something, something's going to happen in, in our sports world that's going to be a change as a result of this, and it's going to stay and be permanent. And I hope that more midweek NFL games, even day games, you know, just a Monday or a Tuesday, you know, one, two o'clock, treat it like baseball, you know, <laughs> You know, I want one of these teams to become the Cubs, man. Just play midday during the week. I loved you know? it. I loved it's, it. I, I mean, particularly in a season when you don't have any fans anyhow. They had no fans at Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't matter. But I thought it was pretty cool. Four o'clock leading into the regular Monday night game, I'm in. Tuesday game, I'm in. Thursday game, awesome. I, yeah. You know, I – I think it gives them some scheduling flexibility, less overlap between the games, more exposure for the teams, maybe another, you know, another contract to, for that Tuesday night game or the Monday afternoon game where they can make more money. Good for them. I loved it. Plus the Chiefs won. Nice. Very nice. But anyhow, I wanted to be at Tanner's with my buddy Charlie and all the good people down there. I probably would have gone down to high-low and – Checked it out and other places in Aggieville, but nope. Pandemic, I couldn't do it. And uh, 
I stayed at home, watched with the dogs. <laughs> the dogs didn't understand cheering. They don't get it. They don't understand sports at all. They like ball, but they don't understand ball. Now here's your questions from Wabash Station. Ryan Gilbert. First question of the second half from Cliff Caven 754 Are there any updates on the health of TJ Smith, Wayne Jones, and Cooper Beebe for Saturday? Cooper Beebe's in. Don't know about the other guys, honestly. We we didn't bring that up uh, on the press conference today, but Cooper Beebe's back. I did notice on the depth chart, Christian Duffy's listed as the starting left tackle and Beebe as the starting right tackle. Katori Leviston has been demoted to second team. Um, I thought that was interesting. I, I think – I don't know what's going on with TJ. I, I'm really not sure if he's – I'm not sure either. I think but... he might have an exposure quarantine thing going on. But John McPherson today, I think, in in the press conference, mentioned him by name as someone that was kind of standing out to him. So hopefully that means that, you know, he brought him up because it's recent mm-hmm. and he has been practicing. He, he mentioned I, I don't, Wayne too, yeah. Yeah, and Wayne. So I don't know if those are, are confirmations of anything. But, you know, if a, if, if a teammate is mentioning him in media, to the media, you know, saying, you know, these guys are, you know, playing well right now in practice, I, I would hope that that means that, that was within the last week or so. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel, uh, at the very least, I feel good. You know, if their names are being dropped, you know, by by teammates, I feel good about those two. I agree. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> wow. There we go. Perfect. Next question from GT Cat. How salty would the offense be if we, at minimum, had a wide receiver like Curry Sexton added to the group? That's a good question. Um, well, I, I think they... They might have that. I mean, I don't know. Landry Weber feel, kind of feels like he could be that way. Um, I, I would argue that Wyking Gill was that way before he got hurt. That was Curry yeah. Sexton. Um, kind of a shorter guy with good speed, good hands, reliable route runner, willing to block. I think they kind of fit the same role. Uh, but unfortunately, he's out for the rest of the year, and we'll see if he comes back or not. But, yeah, they, they whether it's Curry Sexton or – or Tyler Lockett doesn't matter. They got to have someone. Someone's got to step up. I don't know Seth Porter. You yeah. know, just one of these one of these guys that is just a body that has to be on the field. Since you know Youngblood's gone, Knowles is Malik Knowles at this point. We don't know what he is. Um, you know, hopefully it's Sebastian Taylor. You know, we've hyped. You know, maybe not hyped, but been hopeful for him for you know two seasons now, almost three. So. You know, somebody, somebody's got to, got to step up. You know, it doesn't matter who it is, what position it is. Briley Moore and Deuce Vaughn cannot be your, your leading pass catchers or pass options. I mean, you're going to have to throw it deep or, you know, find somebody with some sort of some height on the field and, and some length and able to, you know, bust down the field 20 yards and catch a pass. So, yeah, I, I don't know who it is, but yeah, somebody like, Curry Sexton, someone like Dalton Schoen, just somebody that can connect with Howard that that can be the go-to guy. I, I want Landry Weber on the field most of the time now. I mean, they've lost Youngblood. Uh, they've lost Gill. I'm all in on Landry because if you go back and look at a lot of plays, there's Landry Weber throwing a block, doing something blue-collar that helps the play succeed, and he can't catch the ball. So I'm all in on playing him more. Um, but I think at this point we've got to see if Sebastian Taylor can't be the featured guy and Malik's got to make up his mind. 
You know, I know he's been a little bit banged up, but you either got to play or not play. And we're getting to that point pretty quickly. Next question from GT Cat. Are you surprised we haven't seen more pass plays designed for Denis thus far, given our lack of catch threats? No. I'm surprised we haven't seen Denis more in general. Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of moved to the second fullback spot. Um, you know, I, now that we're going to have Will Howard at quarterback, I think we might see some different things. You know, I mean, he, he threw it to Denis earlier in the season. That was Jax's. Was that his only catch so far this year? So, I mean, maybe we'll see some different things. They got to spread the ball around because you're right, Zach. I mean, if you're going to Deuce and Riley all the time, it's going to get predictable. You know, the, pretty soon you throw the change up too often, it gets predictable. And that's kind of what throwing to the the tight end and, and running back often are. But um, I think Bradley's more of an every down receiver type guy, but – uh, it it would be really wise for K State to develop someone, but I don't know. Uh, well, I I don't even know what to say about the receivers at this point. You know, I they've got to provide some results somehow, some way. And you know, if if throwing to the fullback helps that, I'm not sure. But they've got to K State's got to throw the ball, and whether it's receiver, fullback, tight end, running back, who cares? Just get it down. I'd. Probably want to see Sammy Wheeler split out at receiver a little bit more at this point. Just use him as a receiver. Go for it. Next question from King Jim 77. If this is now Will Howard's team, assuming Skylar doesn't come back next year, how do we hang on to Rubley's commitment? Is he going to want to play second fiddle to Howard for his entire career? Although, not hang on to him. I, I mean, if you're Rubley, you think you can compete with anyone. I mean, I don't, I don't know that he'll back off just because of – let's put it this way. I haven't seen anything from Will Howard yet that would scare anyone off. I think he's good. I think he's promising. But I'm Jake Rubley. I'm not scared of that. Not, no. no. I think I'm a big-time guy. I've got the stars. You know, ESPN thinks I'm a top-10 quarterback or whatever it is. I'm 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 in. I'm coming to take that job right away. But, I, I agree with I agree, Fitz. And think about it this way. Losing his commitment, he went on his own accord to go play with another K-State commitment. One of his future teammates, his season got canceled. So it was like, all right, I'll go team up with somebody I'm going to be playing with, you know, for four or five more years. That that says that he's more committed to K-State than any other player that K-State currently has as a commit. I think Jake Rubley is 110%. When you go – and make the effort to just go play, you know, with someone else that you're going to be teammates with for the next four or five years. I think it says, you know, he's bought in, he's ready to go. And I don't think it matters. Will Howard could, you know, be the best quarterback in the big 12 this year. And I don't think that Jake Rubley is going to care. I don't think he's going to be scared. No. And if he decommits because of competition, I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean, if that's the way you approach it, that you can't compete for something, go ahead. Go somewhere else. I'll, I'll be blunt. I see a couple of kids that were committed to K-State once on the KU roster. Good job. You're playing a lot. How's it going? I, I'm with you guys. Um, I haven't seen much out of Howard that says that he's going to really be anything special. I know it's early. I, I don't want to be critical of him at all. 
I, I'm with you on that. So that's a good, that's a plus for, for Rubley, but the message, so to speak with K-State going with Howard, the young guy, instead of Nick Oss, the older guy who's got more experience, the fact that they're going with Howard, I think does have to scare Rubley a little bit. I know that he's got some hype. And like you said, Zach, his commitment's probably safe, but just the message that they went with Howard, that at least is going to raise your eyebrow just, just a little bit, in my opinion. I'll take the other side of that coin, Gills. If Rubley's a, a freshman next year and he sees right now that Will Howard's a freshman and he's playing, Rubley's got to be licking his chops saying, hey, I could be playing next year. They have, sure. enough, they have enough faith in a brand-new guy who didn't even have spring ball. At least I'm going to have spring ball, ball is probably what Rubley's thinking. You know, if, if Will Howard can go in and be the starter – with as little preparation that he's had. And I don't want to undermine what he's prepared and, you know, not saying he's incapable. I'm just saying, look at the circumstances. He didn't have spring ball. Yes. He got here early uh, a semester early over, you know, over the winter break, but you know, the, the opportunity is there next year for Rubley. If he wants to come in and compete, they've shown, Hey, we'll let a new guy start. We don't care if he's a true freshman, you know, he can play. And I think that's gotta be a selling point for Rubley as well. Next question from Jay Boland, PSU. Uh, welcome here to the podcast. I don't think we've seen your name pop up here too much, so thank you so much. Yeah, it's only a second post, and it's been a year since he's asked. He's asked. It's been a year since he's asked a question. I guess he said he played with Travis Tannehill and a different question. I'd pick that one. Picking a different question. Sorry. Hey, oh, I'm so sorry Jay that Boland. happened to him. Oh, that's yeah. awful. <laughs> oh, <no>. But thank <laughs> you for the question. Yes, thank you so much. Give us more questions. <laughs> From Jay Boland, PSU, if K-State and Oklahoma State can win their next two games, what are the chances college game day comes to Manhattan for their game? Very low. Yeah. You said last week it was very high, Zach. Uh, well, okay, so on the podcast, <laughs> last week I said that, and Ryan Lackey texted me as I woke up uh, the next morning. He's like, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. Uh, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame's that week. Uh, the same week as Oklahoma State, K-State. And I'm like, ah, shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's so, going to be interesting. I mean, yeah. now with the Big but, Ten playing, but look, yeah. I mean, both college game day and Big Noon are, are there in the Big Ten this weekend. They're just going to be doing it for a while. They'll be in the SEC or Big Ten. Let's be blunt here. K-State, Oklahoma State doesn't move the needle the way a lot of other programs do. Might be a great game, might be a significant game, might decide a place in the playoffs. Could, potentially. But I don't think they're coming if there's other choices. Maybe Big Noon yeah. will come. I don't know. Well, Big Noon doesn't do anything on campus, I don't think, or they haven't been doing it this year. Oh, they haven't? They just do it from the studio. They're, but they're, they're going would... to Nebraska, Ohio uh, State. No, you they? know what? Clatt was talking about that. Okay. I'm sorry. Clatt's going there. Yep. Um, I think that, you know, I think that'll probably be a big noon potential because the, the Notre Dame Clemson games on NBC. So you don't have to worry about, you know, the a commentator group for ESPN and, uh, Fox. So, you know, you'll probably get Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt for that week is what I'd, I'd bet. And probably be big noon, but you know, at the very least the ESPN has been pretty fair. They try going to at least one game per p5 conference in the season on campus so 
I'm sure at some point ESPN's got to look at their, you know, their grid there and say, look, yeah, it might be one versus three, you know, whatever they are by the end. Um, you know, I think it's tough. It's tough to make the argument that you can, you don't go to that game, but if K state wins two games in a row and Oklahoma state's still undefeated, it's probably pretty close to a top 10 matchup there, you know, and that game, any other week in the season would be a college game day game. So I think it's probably pretty low at this point in, in light of the information that, that Clemson and Notre Dame. That seems like a notable game. I don't is, know. Uh, it just seems like week. a game that might be important. Uh, Clemson and Notre Dame are going to have to each lose. And even then that might not be enough. No, no, I think there was another game too. That was a top 10 maybe. So I feel like at this point, looking at the schedule, if K state can beat Oklahoma state, they get the bye week and then they go to Iowa state, maybe at Iowa state, is the the next potential game I guess for didn't, the Big Twelve? But didn't the Big Ten sure. schedule Nebraska that same week to play the Bears? I think there's something they scheduled Nebraska to play uh, the, the Packers. They, I mean, whoever Nebraska has to play is going to be a significant game because they gave them everyone: Penn State, here, have them, <laughs> yeah. Bears, Packers, Vikings. Go ahead. Last question of the podcast from I like pickles cat. Pickles should K State wear alternate uniforms this week to confirm once and for all if alternates are cursed <laughs> wow that's, not a bad idea that's really not a bad idea if you because let's be blunt even even the doubters the people that say oh they got nothing to do if you lose to KU in an alternate uniform they'll probably go okay I get it okay um, yeah I would do it wear, wear something I don't know what I mean the white pants and the cat's helmet again? No. no. I think they're going to bring out the cat's helmet again. Did you see Texas is wearing uh, all white this week at home for the first time in like 70 years? Really? Yeah, it's like some 70th anniversary thing of, I think, some national championship or something they're celebrating. But I would love it if they just – if they they don't even have to switch it up. Just wear the road uniforms at home one game. That'd be fun. I'd love to see that. Go all white at just, home? Just Or just do all white at home or do whatever. Just wear the white tops at home for, for fun. You know, they wore, the, they wore the purple pants at home in the year of the purple pants. I think Ron mm-hmm. Prince was already fired at that point mm-hmm. or it was, mm-hmm. it was in the bag. Why not just mix it up, you know? That's what, that's what I say. But I have a strong feeling that after what happened last year with the alternates and what's happening this year and how well they're playing, I feel like these guys might be a little superstitious about what they're wearing, and I would not anticipate any changes this season. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're, I think they're going to be set wearing the you know silver. Silver, purple, silver, or silver, white, silver. I don't think these guys really care what they're looking like. They want to win. As long as they're winning. Yep. I and I think that, you know, going 0-3 last year in the in the changes, I think they're going to be like, yeah, you know, we can, we can just hang out like this for the time being. All that matters is the win. What do you think, Gills? Should they pull out some alternates for Saturday? Yes. Yes. You could prove it once and for all. I like it. Might as well. Would you go with the white cat's helmet or the white power cat helmet? Uh, I like uh, the white power cat helmet. Yes. <laughs> Either one. Yeah, I. Yeah, you know me. I don't really care too much for the whole throwback things. I'm sorry, Zach. Sorry, everyone. Oh, I, 
I don't know why you're apologizing. I hurt your feelings. You don't hurt my feelings about that. Look, uh, I defend the cat's helmet from the people that are all upset about the Stan Parrish era. Ah, uh, that's horrible. And the 88 season. I defend it as it being the best option of the throwbacks. I'm not saying it's great, but I, I, I'm kind of in the camp after last season that, you know, the silver, purple, silver, silver, white, silver, <laughs> it looks fine. It's completely fine. And Daphne agrees with me. She's barking. Dogs have just gone nuts. What The best thing about this podcast, Zach, is while you were talking, making a point, uh, Daphne came in and demanded attention. And so she's sitting here very nicely beside my, to my right. And I, I put my headphones on her and she heard your voice, looked at me really funny and walked out. She, uh, apparently you made dogs run away. Well, dude loves me. So dude does love you. Dude loves gills too. Dude loves hey. everyone. Dude's just that kind of guy. Mm. So we're not special though. No, no, you're really not. He's pretty, uh, he gets around. He greeted my neighbor the other day. He just loves people. Like us, like the Power Cat Podcast. We appreciate you listening to this podcast. We hope you are subscribing to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you do. If you're on Apple or Spotify or whatever, I don't know what else you would listen on. You got CastBox and Stitcher and all kinds of weird things out there. Hit the subscribe button. And if you're on Apple, click the five stars. See, these guys are swell. You don't have to use that voice, uh, but you can click the five stars. Please subscribe. Make sure it's downloaded every day to your devices so that the PowerCat podcast is in your pocket, close to your heart, and always ready to hit play. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.